Hello, you cat and dog people. This is It's Training Cats and Dogs, the show for people with both cats and dogs who want peace in their home and peace between their animals. I'm Naomi Rotenberg, your source of practical strategies for keeping everyone in your multi-species household safe and sane. And today's guest is a wonderful pet professional, and they're going to talk about how they use their expertise to manage the relationships between their own pets. Today we're talking to Emily Fitzpatrick, a certified dog trainer through the Victoria Stillwell Academy. She is the owner of Misunderstood Mutt Dog Training and works virtually with clients all over the world. Hi, Emily. I'm so excited to talk with you. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, I'm so excited. Thanks for having me on. So we will talk about Emily's multi-species household in a minute. Before we dive into stories about your pets, let's do a quick icebreaker so that everyone can learn a little bit more about you as a human. So we will play my favorite game, Two Truths and a Lie. And um, everyone who listens to this knows my track record is pretty poor. So (laughs) hit me. Tell me three things and I have to choose the lie. All right. My three things are that I'm an only child, I was a certified personal trainer, and that I danced competitively growing up. Okay. I want to say that you are an only child because I am also an only child and I want to feel some camaraderie with you. <laughs> um, you are a certified personal trainer. I'm assuming that means human fitness. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and dancing competitively. Those are both kind of related so uh friggity frex okay let's say you're not an only child i'm not <gasps> you oh got God. it right i did it yay logic you okay. did so how many brothers and sisters do you have and tell me about um your competitive dance career ready go <laughs> so i have one older brother he's like four years older than me brainiac off got his PhD and is running the world right now. Cool. Um, and then I danced pretty much my entire childhood growing up, started at two, ended when I was 18 and graduated high school. And it was a long journey and it was crazy and hectic. And I'm pretty sure that's why I like to keep things chaotic and hectic in my life because I was always on the move, always running around and dancing and doing all that fun stuff. That is awesome. And the discipline and physical movements of dance are actually quite related, in my mind, to training animals. Mechanics are important. Small things like timing, Mm -hmm. awareness of your body and what your body is doing and cueing for everyone. So, you know, you didn't know, but you were completing many prerequisites (laughs) for your future job. I didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's great. I know I relate the two things together all the time, like having to be fluid with my training with my dogs, always had to be fluid with dance. The two go hand in hand. Exactly. And so let's segue a little bit into how you came into having your own household with your own pets um, and kind of who came first, who's the characters, and tell me a little bit about each of them. Yeah, so I've always 
been like a huge dog and cat person since I was growing up. My neighbors across the street had an outside cat. I named him Sassy Brass. He was my cat in my heart. And he would wait for me every day when I got off the school bus and he would walk me to my house. We'd play in my driveway. And I lived on like the first floor of our house. So my window was right in our front yard. I would call him up to the window and I would bring him in my room without my parents knowing. <laughs> so that I could hang out with him. I truly thought this cat was my cat. So I like to imagine that that was my first experience with a cat. And then I just had dogs growing up because my mom was allergic. So I could only ever have dogs. I was like, you know, I'm not a cat person. I'm totally a dog person. Then I moved out to Sicily with my now husband, then boyfriend. He was stationed in the Navy. And his last six months there, I just ran away, went and moved out there a weekend. I was like, hey, let's adopt a dog. <laughs> and he was like, all right, cool. Let's go look at the shelters. And we got this beautiful pit bull named Cleo. She came to us so sick and just like unable to really survive because of all the diseases that they have there. The proper treatments of the dogs just aren't, you know, yeah. street dogs. They don't have good lives. And she ended up passing three months into us having her. Hmm. And I was like, well, I'm not leaving here without a dog. So like, <laughs> we're, <laughs> I'm going to find a dog that we're going to bring home with us. And I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw this picture of this weird looking puppy. And I was like, my heart, I don't know what to do. Like I, I have this connection with this puppy and I kept sending it to Joey and I was like, we have to get this puppy. And he's like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> I was like, but I have to, I don't know what to tell you. I have to have this puppy. A week later, we went and got the puppy, <laughs> brought him home, named him Goose, and everything about the name fits him. He's the goofiest boy. He's super long. He honks weird whenever he wants attention. He just is a very weird character but so loving and gentle in everything that my soul ever needed in a dog. So we brought him back from Sicily to America when he was four months old. Super traumatic for him. Mm -hmm. it, it did not go well. He hated my husband for about a week after that big move. Um, he has a lot of anxiety that carried along with that, unfortunately, but we worked through that. And he loves dogs. So he was terrified of people at first, but loved dogs. So I was like, you know what? Let's get him a dog. I think that's going to be what's going to help him. So let's get another dog so that we can help him feel better in this world. You got world. an emotional support dog for your dog. Absolutely. I couldn't take him on walks, but if someone had their dog with us, he would go for a walk. So obviously I was like, I don't need to do any training. I just need to go and get another dog. <laughs> At this point, I was in the vet world. I did not have any training experience, had no clue what I was doing other than just getting another dog. So that's when we adopted Remy, and she's a beautiful pit bull from the local shelter, and she tried to attack Goose as soon as we brought her home, and that was very traumatic for all of us again, and I sat there and I like cried all night long. I was like, we have to take this dog back. I don't know what to do. Like, she's going to destroy him. I love her so much. Like, why did we get ourselves into this? I don't know what to do. So we just took it slow for about a week and would take them on walks together. And they would be fine out on walks. Still no training background. Had no idea what I was doing. Did not know about counter conditioning. Did not do any of this properly. But one day, my husband just lets them off leash in the backyard. They played, and they've been best friends ever since then. 
<laughs> so I'm just glad that it, it worked out with my lack of experience mm -hmm. back then. Mm -hmm. And then we went about, I think, a year with just them two. I had been working at my vet hospital for about a year and a half. The owner of the vet hospital had farm cats, would constantly bring them in to get them spayed. Well, one of them had babies on the farm. They brought all three of them in and we were spaying them, vaccinating them, had no intentions to get a cat until I took Potato out of her little carrier to take care of her that day. And she like looked at me and I looked at her and it was like the goose moment all over again. We looked at each other's souls and I was like, what am I going to do? I have to convince my husband <laughs> to let me have a cat now because I can't not take you home. It took about two weeks of me like begging and begging and begging. And then finally he was sick one day and he was like, whatever, just bring the cat home. <laughs> Take advantage of him in his darkest, yes. deepest moment. Okay. I love it. Literally. And I was like, look, this is, you're not gonna have to do anything with her. She will be my cat. I will feed her. I will take care of her. I will scoop the litter. You're never going to have to touch the litter box ever. Like you just exist and she just exists. It's my cat. He was like, fine, whatever. I'm never taking care of her. I don't even want her. All of this stuff. I bring her home and she then chooses that he is her person mm -hmm. and not me. Mm -hmm. Always, always. And they became the best of friends. I would come into his office and she'd just be laying in his lap, relaxing while he's working. I'd be in another room and I'd hear him being like, oh, potato, look at you. I love you so much. And that was the the kind of the start of our beautiful journey with all three of these chaotic animals. So potato came into your life as a kitten. Yes. So do you feel like that really helped with the cat dog integration experience? Like what did you do in order to make sure that she was safe and that the dogs didn't yeah. eat her? Um, you know, all of those big questions that come into your mind when you're adding <laughs> a new species into the, into the mix. Yeah, I was actually super nervous because of Remy's history with dog aggression, dog reactivity. I thought that maybe she would eat her. Everyone told me not to take home a cat because they were like, Remy's going to kill your cat. And I was just like, no, it'll be fine. I got this. So we had a split level home and we started out with Potato had the bathroom in the basement was her safe place where whenever we weren't interacting with her, we would have her there with her cat tree, food, toys. She was also recovering from her spay right away. So I wanted her to be able to decompress and just chill there. And throughout the day, we would just open the door to that bathroom and let her roam around our like main basement area that had a door. So the dogs could not come in there and they couldn't see her. At first, Remy was terrified of Potato. She was like, what is this cat? I'm terrified of this thing. I'm going to go hide in the corner. And Goose was super interested. He was like, I love this thing. What is it? I want to sniff it. I want to lick it. Give it to me. And she kind of was just like, there she didn't really do much she just existed around these dogs i think probably because she was scared and wanted to like make herself really small but we kept our interactions really really short so they would get to see her maybe for five minutes a day did not have any training experience still so i didn't know what i was doing but i knew that i should probably not let them all be together so we would kind of alternate who got to be upstairs 
who got to be downstairs and just making sure that we were rotating around and giving Potato plenty of time to explore the house by herself with the dogs up so that she didn't have to worry about being bombarded or eaten alive by them. Eventually, <laughs> eventually we started really slow interactions where it was like calm times during the night where the dogs would be on the couch napping. So I'd bring Potato out, have her sitting in my lap with a blanket Everybody was calm and relaxing, and then they would be fine with that. Slowly, just started adding in movement, and they didn't really try to chase her or anything. They just respected her boundaries pretty well. I still didn't let them all stay out in the house alone without me for about six to seven months because I was scared that something would happen. I didn't want them to bombard her. But I then invested in a bunch of cat trees around the house, like this one behind me. I made sure that they were really tall fed her all of her meals on top of there so that she didn't have to feel like she had to protect her food from the dogs. The dogs want to eat them. I had her litter boxes in really quiet, safe places for her that the dogs couldn't access so she could go to the bathroom and not have to worry about protecting herself either. Mm -hmm. um, and we really just kind of made sure that no one ate each other. <laughs> I want to go back to something you said earlier, which is, that it might have been that she didn't react that much because she was kind of in freeze mode. Um, mm -hmm. And so when cats are stressed, I mean, this applies to any animal, but there's fight, flight, freeze. There's other stuff. We're not going to go into it. Let's go mm -hmm. with those three. They're the com most yeah. common ones um, in like fairly intense stress situations. Most cats will go for flight first. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that she went freeze, but mm -hmm. what probably ended up happening was because she froze, she became neutral, right? <laughs> she chose mm -hmm. the right thing to do. Yes. Um, which is not common. Like most of the time they're just like, get me the bleepity blank yeah. out of here and so then it becomes a chase so goose would have been in hot pursuit remy was probably would probably have like had some kind of barking freak out conniption mm -hmm. um, <laughs> but because she didn't they their early experience with her was relatively just like not a thing yeah they're like what is this thing it's not moving like it smells weird but it's not doing anything so whatever right um so it's really interesting about like those first couple of times like how do how does the cat react if it's if the cat is new or how does the dog react mm -hmm. if the dog is new and that's like their first interaction how that makes a huge difference yeah reinforcement history between them right if like the cat comes in and is immediately an amazing toy to chase like that's <laughs> really hard to overcome yes um so good job potato for good job not me good job right. potato, good job, she, potato. she killed it um she didn't know what she was doing probably <laughs> um she's like i'm three months old like right. get away from me right and so you know there's all these questions that i always have of like what could have happened if something else different occurred right what if she was six months old and she had more confidence 
and she wasn't mm-hmm. just spayed, so she was more energetic. What would she have chosen mm-hmm. then? Would she have fled? If so, how would that have like right? You know what I mean? Like my brain just goes blah, 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 blah. Um, yes, yes. But all of those things make a huge difference and um, can always be factored into kind of what you can anticipate, like your pets are going to do in yeah. response to each other. So absolutely. Um, and one other thing that popped out at me was the two different in reactions that your dogs had. Um, so I have, I classify animals based on three general categories, not scientific by any stretch of the imagination, but um, stressed, again, fight or flight, sometimes free. Mm-hmm. Um, neutral, doesn't give an F unless they're being actively annoyed and then they'll fight back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then obnoxious, which is like, they don't read the room. They just are just going to keep going and try to like interact with this thing, even though no one is into that. Um, mm-hmm. So it sounds like Goose was obnoxious and yes. Remy was stressed, but she stressed yes. backwards. Yeah. Which is so interesting because stereotypically, everyone stereotypically, not all pibbles. <laughs> okay. Not all pibbles, but I call them pibbles when they're like really you know, you just want to, okay. Um, oh, she is. She's just so kid. squishy. Um, when they're squishy. So she stressed backwards when stereotypically mm-hmm. they would stress forwards, meaning bark, lunge, yes. right? Probably the stuff mm-hmm. that you were seeing outside with her on leash, right? Because she was, really yeah. bad, you said, right? So why yeah. do you think she was, she stressed backwards? I don't know. It's something that I always think about because this is how she is with every cat she's met. So I've had my sister-in-law's cat stayed with us. I had him roaming around the house and she came out and saw him and she immediately like crouched down, ran into another room and was like, get me the heck out of here. Hmm. So I don't know if she has had negative experiences with cats in the past or if this small thing just freaks her out. Mm -hmm. Because she is a very sensitive dog. Mm-hmm. She's very insecure. Don't want to put a bunch of labels on her. But <laughs> she she gets her feelings hurt very easily. Mm-hmm. And things out of place can really disrupt her emotional cycle. So I wonder if she was like, it's not a dog. So, like, I don't need to bark and lunge at it. But what is it? Mm-hmm. Like, what what is this small furry thing? I can't play with it. It's not making noises at me. It's not moving. Like, why isn't it moving? Yeah. I think that if she were to be more in the beginning, then Remy probably would have become the annoying dog because she is the annoying dog now <laughs> in the in the relationship. But it just, it blows my mind. And it makes me wonder what it'll be like when we get a second cat. Ooh. It'll be the same experience. On the horizon? A- yeah, I'm manifesting it currently. <laughs> <laughs> the husband does not really want it to happen. However, one day something happened and I was like, you know, I think we're going to have a cat named Tanya soon. She's ha- she's coming. I don't know where she is, but she's going to come into my life. She's probably also going to have anxiety like the rest of the animals that oh, come into my life. I love it. Yeah. So, well, we can be in touch when that happens. I love always just like yes. following the, the process. So, so you mentioned that everyone is anxious in their own way. Do you want to? <laughs> do you? Everyone. Aren't we all? We're all anxious here, right? Aren't we all? Um, 
can you tell me a little bit about your experience with everyone's anxiety, how it looks different, how it manifests differently, and kind of how you've worked through those things? We'll start with Goose since he was the first one to come into our lives. Um, his anxiety, he does have a lot of fear towards loud noises, objects appearing when he doesn't expect them, people, dogs appearing. He loves people when he meets them and he loves other dogs, but strange people appearing in his environment that aren't usually there send him into that flight mode. He does do usually a big bark, but then he chooses to retreat. He's never gone into fight, thankfully. He's always been a flight dog, but he does get startled really easily. So we manage a lot with having calming music playing in our house so that the loud garbage truck noises outside don't set him off. We've done a lot of confidence building through enrichment, through training, counter conditioning sessions, doing a lot of sniffing and just taking him to places where he can be a dog and not have to worry about scary things popping up in his environment and getting him an emotional support dog really makes things easier because if he goes somewhere with Remy, he's totally confident, good to go. If I bring him somewhere, just him and I, he's like, nope, we're not getting out of the car. We're gonna go home, right? We can go back. <laughs> and then we have Remy who is the dog reactive one. So she is a fight dog. She will bark, lunge, growl at dogs that appear. She's made a couple of dog friends, thankfully through a lot of patience and time and muzzle conditioning um but she also just doesn't like a lot of things so she's very insecure she's sensitive to handling sensitive to people's tones of voices so if you start to get really loud or someone's yelling around her she's going to retreat and go hide make herself really small and she doesn't like to be touched really she's cannot handle vet handling. She will retreat, go into herself. She doesn't ever try to bark or lunge in those situations, but she just is generally like, I like my things how they are. Please don't disturb them. Please don't touch me. I'm going to go lay over here. Don't want to cuddle with you. I'm anxious. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, same girl. I can relate to you. Spirit animal, spirit animal. Then, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then potatoes has been very interesting because started pretty much when we first moved in, but it doesn't show like how Goose and Remy show their anxiety. Hers is her peeing all over the house. Mm. So I with it for a really long time thinking she had UTIs, changing up her litter, her litter boxes, putting litter boxes in different spots, like literally anything you could think of. I've tried every litter. Mm -hmm. I've tried every litter box. I've tried every location for a litter box. I've tried every anxiety medication for her done every sort of urine test and we found that managing it with fluoxetine is the best thing for her it's been the only thing that really has minimized her, her urination um but that's really the only way that it comes out other than when we have people come to the house she goes and hangs out under the bed and doesn't want to come interact but i'm like that's cool that's a cat <laughs> yeah so is it clear like what she's triggered by in terms of the peeing? No. You never, it, which is, no, I've like, I've, I've tried to put pieces together because it started when um, I was working full time at the vet. So I was gone a lot and she would pee on things whenever I would leave. So I thought, okay, maybe she has some separation anxiety. And then I quit my job at the vet and I was at home full time when the pandemic started. 
she still would pee on things. So I was like, okay, so now I'm home, but she's still peeing on things. So I don't really know if it's actually the separation anxiety. And then I thought maybe, well, the dogs are too much for her. Maybe because they're big dogs, it's she feels unsafe. So then we did more management where she was doing enrichment in separate rooms from them. We put baby gates up to where she could have a whole room with just her food, all of these fun enrichment toys where she could feel like she could enjoy herself safely in there. So we would have our playtimes. We got more cat trees. We put pheromones all over the house and the peeing would still continue. So then we put her on fluoxetine and the peeing totally stopped. And I was like, okay, so she's good. After about six months, I weaned her off of the fluoxetine just to see how things would be. We had added a third dog into our lives at that point. And he was a hot mess and reactive to literally everything. And she then started to pee on things again. It's like, okay, so we added a third dog. I think that's the trigger for this one. That one was pretty obvious what the trigger was. So put her back on fluoxetine. She's been great. And then surprisingly, the last two days, I have found her peeing on a couple of things in the house after having about four or five months of no episodes. So now we're back to... What's triggering you now, Potato? I don't know. It's really, it's, I'm going to prevent myself from going into like full problem solving mode here. Um, <laughs> I'm like, oh God, let's talk all these details. Cat My gosh, let's talk. No one understands. I've talked to vets. I've talked to other behaviorists. Like no one is like, this is the clear picture of what's going on. And I'm like, I know there's no clear picture. Well, I'm not going to claim to be able to do anything or understand anything differently. Um, but I, <laughs> this is going to sound anthropomorphic and people come mm -hmm. at me. My anxiety isn't cut and cl isn't clear either. Mm -mm. Right. I mean, hi, nice to meet you, everyone. I'm highly anxious person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. It manifests differently. There's lots of triggers that I don't even understand. Yeah. Why should we have different expectations for our animals? Agreed. So like it's in theory, we can do a lot of behavior analysis, looking for antecedents and trying to reduce the amount of triggers that they're experiencing. You're not just going to be like, well, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but but it's it's really important i think for us to like re always keep that nuance in mind of like mm -hmm. this isn't something that is going to necessarily get solved through us understanding what's happening because there's mm -hmm. a whole it, there's a whole mess of stuff behaviorally, physically, spiritually, I don't know, anything. <laughs> What's going on in their emotionally right, in their internal experience that we have no access yeah. to. Um so there's a lot we're never going to know and therefore mm -hmm. scientific principles if you can't figure out, you know, the the causes then you're not going to understand the effects. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and I mean, she has two siblings and one of them I've heard is great, has no anxiety whatsoever. She has a bunch of cat siblings and lives with an older man, hangs out on his chest, watches TV all day, like living the best life. 
her other sister went to a couple that's about the same age as me, has one other cat, and she also pees on things. Started with them with her peeing in her dining room at their apartment. Then they moved to a new house. The new house was totally okay. Then they moved to another new house. As soon as they moved, the cat was peeing all over the couches. So I do know the change is a big trigger for, I guess, both of them. I was like, I'm so glad to know that my cat's not the only one, but I'm really sorry that you're also <laughs> dealing with this because cat pee. It's, it's not great. It's horrible. Oh, God. It's horrible. I would rather my dogs be peeing on things yeah. than my cat anytime. <sighs> but, you know, yeah. I just say, you know what, potato, I get it, girl. <laughs> We'll work through this together. Do you need more cuddles? I got you. I noticed you peed on something. Can I help you? you need a therapy session? Yeah. Um, for any time, I mean, like cat peeing as a problem in general, like I'm always saying, can we catch it on video? Um, which is great. I actually had a client. <laughs> uh, God bless them. We had a spreadsheet. Um, they had like four different cameras. Um, and everyone, wise cameras, W-Y-Z-E. I am not affiliated affiliated with them. They're like cheap and they have timestamps. It's amazing. Um, we had a spreadsheet that was so long of like trying to figure out what the different, um, mm -hmm. you know, triggers were. We finally figured it out. It was very complicated. I'm not going to bore you with the story. But... We would not have been able to do any of this if we didn't see exactly mm -hmm. things were happening. Like, which, you know, when you discover anything, uh, you know, after the fact, it's not. You're like, when did it happen? Not, uh, not <laughs> yeah. we know something happened. Um, same thing with, you know, as we always say, like consequences need to follow behavior mm -hmm. really, really fast. Um, so mm -hmm. it's, you know, I, I always like cameras. Um, That's a great idea. I like that. We're about to move to a new house. And I was already like, okay, I'm going to put a camera by her litter boxes. So I can at least like see what goes on by her litter boxes. But now I'm like, well, I'm going to put them everywhere. I need to see, <laughs> especially since we're about to go through change again. I'm going to put them everywhere. Just going to watch her, see what she pees on when she does it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can be strategic, uh, mm -hmm. but it's definitely an interesting problem. And it's for everyone who has dealt with inappropriate elimination with cats. It's, I feel you. Um, it is really hard. <laughs> I'm glad mm -hmm. that you found some medication that does seem to take the edge off. It's not, you know, totally the answer. Um, mm -hmm. so all of their anxiety, stress, coping mechanisms run the gamut of mm -hmm. kind of your stereotypical ways that animals tend to stress. Um, do you feel like you've struggled, obviously with potatoes peeing, it's like still not resolved, but like, is there... Mm -hmm something where you were like, I need to triage this immediately. Like this is a welfare issue <laughs> um, mm -hmm. within the home. Um, or is it all kind of like with the dogs, it's very much outside. Um, so you could kind of have home as a safe space. Yeah. So we did go through an experience with 
um, our past dog. He was very aggressive towards all of the animals and us in the home. So that was like a, we need to do this now because nobody's quality of life is okay. Mm -hmm. And that one did end in a behavioral euthanasia because there was no coming back from that one. He was not, he was not sound in his mind. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I have to triage all of my other animals and help them decompress from this and get their mental health back together while also getting my mental health back together while also getting my husband's mental health back together. And we were all just like, all right, let's fight this out. <laughs> let's figure out how we can overcome all of this. And I was really worried because I thought I was going to really have to do a lot of decompressing for everyone involved but it was like they kind of did it for themselves when the environment settled on its own and they weren't constantly being exposed to this scary animal that was living in their house that they felt like they had to constantly avoid and worry about their safety like potato hadn't napped on the couch in the six months that we had had him the second day after she came over curled up on my chest and took a nap with me on the couch and i was like i didn't realize how much it was affecting everyone else having to live in a house full of so much chaos and anxiety until i saw how they could finally move around their house freely mm. and that was after potato had been put back on the floxetine for about three or four months before that mm -hmm. and i was like oh well she's not peeing so she's fine but she was hiding everywhere. She wasn't taking naps on her couch. She wasn't coming to seek comfort from me. She was only hanging out with my husband and would avoid me completely. And now that things have shifted, like she's curled up under my desk sleeping right now. She spends basically her entire day hanging out with me. We go take walks in the backyard together on her leash and she seeks more comfort with me now that things have kind of balanced out more which is really nice to know that sometimes you do have to do that immediate triage and figure out what it is that's happening. And sometimes it's another being living in your home. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's, there's so much in that story, but the most important thing that I think a lot of people struggle with and sometimes can't really express well is that when your animals are not getting along in your home, you have no safe space and neither do they. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And it is really difficult to exist where in a home that is supposed to be where you can be yourself, let your guard mm -hmm. down um, and you can't do that. Um, and that makes cat dog stuff, but any kind of, you know, inter family member conflict so extra like so much more stressful um, yeah and so much more urgent to work on um mm -hmm. so that at least even if no one's even if you're not getting along totally everyone has some kind of safe space where they can like semi decompress within the home um and we start to see like their behaviors come back out um that's what mm -hmm. i usually look for it's like okay do we have management in place so that everyone has a safe space physically, like they, they can't get attacked? And mm -hmm. is it as stress-free as possible? 
And are we trying to do a lot of enrichment activities, bringing out the behaviors that they were exhibiting before this other animal showed up? Mm -hmm. They are doing that. And it happens to be that you're also working on this other, you know, interaction. Everything's okay. Everything's fine. You're, you have a little bit more time, a little bit more breathing room to really work through things mm -hmm. pace that they need to go. But if those things are not possible for one or both or all of the animals or for the people, that's when like the red <laughs> flags kind of come up for me as yeah. it's like, um, you know, is there a way to make this happen? If not, then yeah. quality of life is a big problem and we have to look at other Absolutely. things. Um, Absolutely. So what kind of behaviors were your animals exhibiting besides for potato yes. fighting? Um, what so a lot of it was, well, Goose is a very goofy dog. He loves to just be a free spirit. He wants to be a goofy man, lounge on the couch, maybe throw his body around a couple times and then go take a nap. And I noticed that like him walking around the house, it was almost like he didn't feel comfortable anywhere, hmm. especially when our other dog Gus was out. He literally wanted nothing to do with him because he was like, if I move, this dog is going to get fixated on me and it's not going to be fun and I don't enjoy it. So he then just stopped really wanting to play. He never wanted to play anymore after that. Even if I got his favorite toys out, he refused to. If he was out in the backyard, he wouldn't run around and chase me like we used to do because he knew if he started moving, another dog would come out and come after him. And even when we were managing things, he still wouldn't do it anymore. Mm. And after seeing that happen for about three or four months, I was like, I feel like I've lost my goofy, free-spirited dog mm -hmm. because he won't engage with me with play. Training sessions, he like would shut down really fast and didn't really want to engage in them, even though that's his favorite part of the day. Mm -hmm. The only times I really saw him enjoying himself was when he got his frozen Kong and got to go in a separate quiet room mm -hmm. and really be alone and decompress. Or if we were out in like a big field or on a trail with him and just Remy, mm -hmm. because that's his best friend. That's his best bud. He's like, I feel safe and confident here. Remy kind of had like the, an alternate effect. He helped her confidence a lot around other dogs. They got along pretty well. He never tried to really do anything to her. I think because he could sense the energy. Goose is a more easygoing, vulnerable kind of dog. He lets any dog do whatever they want to him. Remy will stand her ground and will let dogs know. And she just puts off that energy of like, you don't want to mess with me. Mm -hmm. So he literally never tried to do anything with her. She enjoyed playing with him. They would run around the backyard together and it would be fun. They both would hang out in my office together, lay on separate beds and be totally okay. But the second goose came in the room, chaos would happen again and he would go after him. So it was very strange the way that Goose then went into like hermit mode, but Remy came out of her shell more. Mm. So one of them at least got to benefit from it. And then Potato just didn't want to be around him at all. And anytime he was out of his room and in the house, she was nowhere to be found. And I got really sad about that. I was like, you you deserve to be able to live freely in your home, especially because you don't go outside. Mm -hmm. Like your home is where you spend 
the majority of your time, unless I'm taking you out in the backyard, like you don't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. So you should, you're the one that needs to feel the safest in this house. And it just was heartbreaking to see how deeply it affected her and Goose, who are the more easygoing animals in our home. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so, that's really interesting that Goose, his play, I mean, when stressed play behavior tends to go away the fastest. Mm -hmm. Um, So like when I'm doing setups with between cats and dogs, I'm always like saying, okay, can we try, let's see if they'll play around each other with the carrier. If they won't, let's see if they'll eat. Right. Then we know if they won't play, but they will eat. We're like stressed, but like, you know, not in total crisis mode, but we always want to say, yeah, can we see if we can get them to play? Um, so the fact that he wouldn't play, even if Gus, you said his name was Gus? Gus. Yeah. Gus and Goose. Okay, that's going to be hard. Um, even, if, <laughs> I know. even if Gus was away, mm-hmm. out of sight, he wouldn't play? Yeah. Like in a totally different room on a totally different level of the house. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. So yeah, some animals are like management. Great. I feel safe. I don't care that my, mm-hmm. you know, arch nemesis is on the other side, out of sight, out of mind, I'm fine. And other yeah. people are like, I can't, I cannot. Literally, <laughs> literally cannot. Yeah. He was like, I can't like, get me out of this house. Get me away from this dog. Like, I don't want any of it. I wish there was some way to predict how they would respond to something like that. I, 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 I agree. I'll figure it out. Right. You could say, like, yeah. okay, my dog is generally anxious and they tend to stress forwards. Great. Mm-hmm. But Remy is generally anxious. She tends to stress forward. There is a dog who is like stressful and she's like, yeah. great. <laughs> I love this dog. This one's awesome. Right. And then, you know, it, it's it, ugh. behavior is so complicated it's it's interesting always fascinating and it makes Mm -hmm. me feel stupid all the time right because i'm saying you're just like always a puzzle um luckily i'm tenacious um it would have beaten me down many many, (laughs) would be like i don't know i don't know the answer let's figure it out together um but yeah if anyone listening has some kind of predictive protocol for (laughs) that's not just body language stress related you know things you know like i'm thinking about like a checklist who's got a checklist that they can share give us the checklist (laughs) remy's like oh it's a dog like goose okay i'll become best friends with them immediately oh it's a dog that is pretty neutral well you know what i'm gonna hate them right a dog that's absolutely chaotic, running in circles around my backyard. Perfect, mom. Throw my ball. I really like this kind of energy. Yeah. yeah. And then it's a cat, and she's like, I'm going to go in another room. I can't even look at it. I can't can't handle it. So you mentioned that Remy and Potato now have mm-hmm. kind of a, an interesting... They got beef. Yeah. So what's going on with that? How has that kind of come to where it is now, and how are you managing yeah. that? Yeah, so Remy does have a little bit of a stronger prey drive. She is a pit bull. Don't want to put the stereotype on it. The pit bulls do sometimes have a stronger prey drive. 
And I find that when I'm not giving her proper outlets for it, like with the flirt pole, taking her out to go sniff on longer walks, especially right now during the winter, then that energy will start to manifest a little bit in chasing Potato around the house. And Potato is very fast and she gets up into her cat trees and she's just like, get the heck away from me. So what I do to help relieve that and not let it happen is go, okay, I need to play with you. I need to do something because you are out of balance. And it's hard to know when she's going to do it. So I just do what I can to give Potato as many safe places as she can. She has really high counters she can jump on. In every single room, there's a cat tree that is out of reach of the dogs. She always has somewhere that she can retreat to that the dogs cannot get to. But I do everything that I can to try to fulfill Remy's needs before that even happens Mm -hmm. so that we don't have to deal with that. And then there are the rare occasions where Remy will just be, you know, casually laying by the back door, sunbathing, and Potato's like, what's up, sis? Here I come. And she just jumps on her face and starts playing with her. And then Remy gets excited. And she's like, this is fun. You're playing with me. And then she takes it to the pit bull level Mm -hmm. and just starts throwing her body around. And Potato's like, yeah, no, I had enough of this. Usually screams at her and then jumps up on a chair and looks at her. And she's like, yeah, no, you're, you're, you're trash now. (laughs) Oh, speech bubbles. I love it. I can just, I always get above their heads. So the thing that's really great about that is I've been thinking a lot about like how I define coexistence, right? Like I have, my Mm -hmm. whole program is all about like getting cats and dogs to coexist. Does that mean that there's never any conflict no. no. Um, in like <laughs> that would be impossible. that would be a impossible, right? Like you live with a being, you're gonna get pissed at them occasionally, right? Like I get pissed at my husband. Right. I, I was gonna say it, but you said it first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, okay. So, if it's not an absence of conflict, let's define it in some other way. Okay. What I've kind of come up with is having the skills and the communication history and the the behavioral uh, repertoire to be able to navigate those conflicts appropriately mm-hmm. without them having to escalate to an unnecessary level. Yeah. Right. So what you just described is a really, really good example of that, right? So it's not that Remy is never going to chase Potato. It's that Potato knows how to stop the chase and keep herself safe. Mm-hmm. And also knows that because there's a history of this, that when she is up on the tree, every you know she doesn't have to continue to stress because mm-hmm. has ended the, the stressful experience, right? And Remy knows, okay, well, she's up there. Well, pfft, I'm going to go do something else now. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Right. The fun has ended. Why continue? Right. And so it's a thing, right? Both sides of that interaction are, have been reinforced, which therefore means they're going to do it again. Um, But it is a ritual now, right? It's like you give, you've given them the opportunity. Those are the behaviors that are going to come out. Same thing with potato being a, like in a little sassy instigator, Right. (laughs) She knows that 
she can stop it if Remy's being too much. Mm-hmm. Why we can always say, well, why does Remy continue to be too much? Obviously, potato stopping the play is not punishing. Yeah, um, but that's okay because they figured it out, yeah. right? <laughs> Absolutely. And Remy is always just going to be a too much dog. Like when I play with her, she is zero to one hundred. Like we work on her arousal levels, we take plenty of breaks. But when she plays, like she is a full out kind of gal, yeah. and I'm like, I'm gonna respect that. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not gonna try to dial you down. I don't want to change you. Mm-hmm. And Potato knows that that's going to happen every single time because it happens every, every single, single time. time. Right. And she still, but she still out. goes over there. Exactly. So yeah, it's having enough experiences with each other to know that the other is trustworthy, even mm-hmm. when they're acting slightly less trustworthy. <laughs> right? You, <laughs> they know there's stop gaps. Right. It's, you know, we all, we all talk about the ladder of canine aggression where it's like, no one wants to full on fight. I'm going to growl, please go away. So I don't have to go on to the next thing. Yes. It's the same. It's just like every, but each pair of animals has to come up with their own signals with each other. Um, They're not universal. (laughs) Um, Not every cat is going to say, oh, I'm being chased. I'm going to go up to this cat tree and know that I'm safe. Others are going to say, mm-hmm. oh, crap, I'm stuck into a corner. Now what do I do? Right. And they're, yeah. and they're going to smack the dog across the face. That works for a lot of cats because then the dog <laughs> backs off. Right. Um, and then that's going to be how they resolve that type of conflict. Mm-hmm. Who's to say one is better than the other? Who's to say that those are not good, quote unquote, good ways to deal with it? Yeah. I think having those kinds of expectations for things like totally blows people's minds where it's like, it's okay if they get sassy with each other as long Mm -hmm. as they can self-regulate. Absolutely. Our job is to teach them how to self-regulate, not to teach them to not have conflict. Yeah, yeah. And if one of my biggest things is Remy will easily recall away from her. So if I see her acting crazy, I just say her name. I'll either ask her for a touch or I'll grab a toy and I'll say, hey, let's go play over here instead. Mm -hmm. And she can easily redirect off of that. If she couldn't redirect off of it, then I'd be like, all right, we got to take a few steps back, put in more management, prevent this from even happening and start from square one. Mm -hmm. But because we have a little bit more of that wiggle room, it's not really something that I really want to put the time and energy into working on because we have so many other things to work on that that's like low on the priority list. Right. So I just, you know, they figure it out. Potato has a great best friend named Goose who wants to just cuddle and let her, let her lick his face all day long. Mm -hmm. And I just let them, you know, that's how they decompress. Yeah. And so what you're teaching, right, is if Remy won't come off won't read potato signals fast enough Mm -hmm. you're the one there who's saying remember what you're supposed to be doing here you're supposed to be backing (laughs) off right she's telling you to back off like you need to back off yeah and then reinforcing for the appropriate behavior so more she's more likely to to back off when potato does that thing again in the future um yeah so good job you good job potato good job remy 
And it makes total sense that you're like, I don't want to work on this. I don't have time to work on this. There's other issues because Mm -hmm. in my mind, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. Right. It, in fact, it's yeah. like living with each other. Now, if like there was a kid that was getting bowled over, right, there was some other <laughs> issues going on, right, then it would be a problem. But I always say if it's not a problem for you and it's not a problem for the animals, then it's not a problem. Absolutely. So, you know, you got three animals coexisting. Sometimes they get cranky and sometimes you have yeah. to intervene. But guess what? They're still coexisting. So, yeah, it's great. We have three personalities we're working with. Two of them are completely different than one of them. <laughs> exactly. One of them is a whole little beast. She's a whole little lion living in this house. <laughs> I want to know how she's going to eat potato. Oh my gosh. So, the owner of the vet I worked at was like, We need to name these three kittens. And me and a couple of the other techs were like, okay, well, let's name them after vegetables since they came from a farm. And everyone named the other ones and they were parsley, turnip. And then I was like, well, mine's going to be named potato. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, why? And I'm like, because I really like like French fries and hash browns and anything that's made with potatoes. So it just feels fitting for her. We brought her home and Joey at first was like, I am not calling this cat Potato. Like, I cannot have people ask me, oh, yeah, the cat, what's her name? Oh, it's Potato. He's like, so we have to rename her. And I gave him like 17 different options. He didn't like any of them. And I was like, okay, well, it's Potato. I'm sorry, but it's Potato. She now is Potato, Taters, Tootie, Tootie Booty, you know, whatever comes out that's pretty much what we call her sometimes she's the thief in the night Mm. because she likes to (laughs) come around and steal things around the house she'll sneaky she's a sneaky little thing as my cat comes across my uh screen yeah he is also sneaky um so there's so much to learn from your animals and i just would we would continue talking forever but Yes. I have two main questions for you. One is mm-hmm. if someone was thinking about adding a another species to their household, do you have something, some piece of advice that um, you would recommend they think about before they do that? Yeah. Um, definitely learn more about that species before bringing them in so you know what to expect from their behavior. Mm-hmm especially if it's a cat versus a dog, their body language is very different. Their, you know, little quirks are going to be very different between every animal, but definitely between a cat and a dog. So just really understanding that your cat is not going to be your dog. Mm -hmm. Your cat's going to communicate very differently than your dog would. And just take things really, really slow. And it's okay that if you feel like you're going too slow to even slow down even more because taking things slow is going to pay off way more in the long run than just trying to force everyone to be best friends right from the very beginning. And if someone is already struggling, um, they mm-hmm. have not found a way to manage in a way that works for everyone. There's a lot of stress going on. Any advice there? Hire Naomi. <laughs> <laughs> and that you feel like these animals are never going to be able to coexist peacefully together 
rehoming is always an option and that shouldn't be seen as a failure because we want to make sure that all of the animals in the world are having a good quality of life and that they're somewhere that is going to give them the life that they need and deserve and hire Naomi. <laughs> I did not get her to say that. <laughs> don't hire me. I don't want to, I don't want to help you with that because I'm a mess myself. Naomi is the professional over here to help you with all of your dog and cat interactions. All of your cat dog needs. Perfect segue. Yes. Thank you very much. The last thing I'll, I'll ask is if people want to get in contact with you because you're an interesting human and or they're working on dog reactivity or the other stuff that you like to work on because you have awesome mm -hmm. online training opportunities for people. What is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at misunderstoodmutt. Um, I have a training inquiry form on my website, which is www.misunderstoodmutt.com. That's the best way to get in touch with me about working together. We'll set up a call and get everything started. Awesome. Thank you so much, Emily. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. And I appreciate everyone else for listening as well. If this episode helped you feel less alone in your struggles with your anxious cats and dogs, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. Your support helps other people find this show and get access to cat and dog specific content. You can also follow me at, on Instagram at Praiseworthy Pets, and I would love to hear your suggestions for who I should interview next. And if your pets aren't getting along and you want to improve their relationship, but you don't know how to do it, I am opening up a new course in early 2022 that takes you step-by-step step through my merits method. Um, from establishing your management plan to training your core behaviors to creating setups that will take your pets from cranky to coexisting. Go to praiseworthypets.com course to get on the wait list. And that is all for this episode, you wonderful cat and dog people. I appreciate you very much, and I will see you next week for more It's Training Cats and Dogs. Mm -hmm.